live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in Tuesday morning and the first day of August 2023. Wait. The same month where Nebraska has its first football game. Now, it's on the extreme other end of the month from where we're at right now. Nope, it's still here. It's here. We're in the first few hours of August. That's in the last few hours of August on literally the last day, literally the first day today. But feels a little closer. Feels a little closer. The month where if you go probably to most any school... In the uh, in the state of Nebraska or in the listening area, if you are going to go to the university of one or one of the many other uh, colleges, the vast majority of you will be starting school during the course of this month, and uh, it's a big transitional month as we get on to uh, eventually, eventually fall of 2023 and everything that goes along with it. But you know, we'll, we'll ride out the summer first and uh yeah and and glad to have you with us here on this first day of august 2023 got a good show for you today joe jordan from news channel nebraska is going to join us uh we'll probably talk a little bit about this uh they were having legislative hearings yesterday caleb my goodness it feels like feels like the winter but having legislative hearings yeah, yeah. on uh K through12 education so you know how that will usually go and it did again yesterday we'll get into some of the other things in Nebraska news and politics uh, a little bit later Jason ball is going to join us from the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce uh, I know you've got a lot of sound from yesterday from uh, from the first practice and mm-hmm. pract- availability after practice for players and coaches so we can discuss some of the news that we've got from that yesterday and uh and uh, that's what we have planned for today also your morning drive we'll count down the five things you're talking about today sound off and a whole lot more but i do have to start with this um yesterday um and good morning mark how are you doing today oh i'm good <laughs> so yesterday you guys remember we had the conversation on on voter id and it stayed on voter id for a bit but whatever for whatever reason the conversation moved in the direction, and I took it this way, wondering about whether or not Nebraska should be one of the states or join the states that have made a essentially a digital ID available, one that you can access on your phone that you would keep in your Apple or Google wallet uh, and be able to use without carrying a, a physical card all of the time. So had that discussion. We talked about it with Tim Hruza, too. You know, we, we kind of we kind of got into it a little bit. And so that's why what happened to me last night is so incredibly ironic. No way. So, um you didn't carry your car. I'm 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 trying to uh trying to get myself in better shape, trying to to lose some weight, so I'm trying to do a little workout every every night. I'm not workout bragging. I just needed to set up the story here. Um but when I go to the gym for for several reasons i generally don't bring my my wallet with me okay. because there's just there's very often if you've ever been in that situation um whether you know any kind of exercise whether it's at at a gym or you you know you're going out to a trail to run or bike there's not a great place to put it in a lot of cases where you feel super confident 
about it being safe and not losing it, not having it stolen, and I don't want to carry it on my person when I'm actually when I'm actually working out. And so I tend my general practice is that when I leave, I grab my keys, I grab my phone, I leave my wallet at home, and I just go there and back. I don't do anything else. Um, and of course, last night, what they stop you for? Coming home, Seventieth Street, South Seventieth Street. The uh, the red and blue lights fire up behind me. I'm like, <laughs> come on! I'm like, come on! I'm like, what am I? I'm like, I know I'm not speeding. I know I'm not speeding. I know I've used the blinker. I'm like, what are we doing here at this point? So I turn onto a side street, and the officer gets out, and she was like, I pulled you over. Did you know your your brake light is broken? And I said, got the plastic. And it's not my brake light itself. It's a plastic over my brake light. Which and I said yes because it got broken, Mark, in that hailstorm like six <laughs> years ago, and I've <laughs> mentioned it to you several times. I know it's not that I'm not aware of it, and I actually I think I've been pulled over for this in the past. And I once went to my dealer to to get a quote for replacing it, and think of the most obscene, ridiculous number that it would have cost to get it replaced, and then multiply that by four. Is what it cost. It was ridiculous, the amount it cost. So I did the next best thing and the thing that would make it street legal. I took, I got, you go to like your, your auto parts store, right? Right. Your O'Reilly's. Um, and, and I got, you can get red colored tape. And the, the problem isn't that it, the problem is that the light looks white instead of red and it can confuse people. And so I've had red colored tape over it. And so if you're looking at it at night, you have no idea that it's that it's broken, right? Because it's just it's it shines through this translucent red light. Well, that stuff weathers and wears down and loses its color and falls apart and gets very brittle. And it was due to be replaced, and I had not yet replaced it. And so that is what the officer noticed. Apparently, it was white light shining through and not red light, and I didn't realize it had gotten to that spot once again, and so I was guilty. And so she she uh, said she stopped that, and she was like, "Can I can I get your driver's license?" And I'm like, "Oh man, <laughs> uh, no!" I was like, "I'm just and like all the evidence was there too." I was like. I'm sweating from, you know, from working out. My gym bag's right there. I'm I've got like a protein drink next to me and I was like I was like, wow, this is the most convincing if I were was lying it'd be the most convincing lying I've ever done about working out, but I I was. And I was like I just I was like I was just working out. I don't I don't have it. Here's my registration, here's my insurance, right? And I ended up I ended up getting a warning. No ticket. Despite not having my license on me, despite being driving with the white brake light for the time being. Um, but I'll tell you what, this is my impetus now. Did you have your phone? I had my phone. Yeah, I absolutely had my phone. I had it been on my phone. We This whole thing could have been taken care of. I would suggest that you take a picture of it. I wonder if that I actually thought of that well, after it, the fact. It, it is doesn't fit the letter of the law but it proves that you have one 
Right. Well, the thing is, she can search it, and she did. I know. She searched it. It takes, you know, whatever, a minute and a half. She searches it. She sees that I've got one. They've got the, all of the pictures. So, honestly, I mean, honestly, does it really matter that I've got possession of it or not? If I've if I've got it, all it does is add another 90 seconds to the whole process that I she can see that I've got it. the letter of the law says you carry it. I know it does, and I broke it. I broke the letter of the law yes. by not, so I'm, you know. As, as an officer of the court, you should know that. Yes, but here's the thing. The legislative branch has let us down. I know the executive branch is just doing their job, but the legislative branch has let us down. It is time. It is 2023. I don't want to carry a card or a wallet everywhere. I have the solution. Uh, get it on my phone. Get I it on my phone. I have the solution. You, sir, need to start a ballot ballot initiative. Uh, that's a great idea. <laughs> that's a great. And I, by the way, it'll be way less controversial than all the other ballot initiatives. That people be like, right. everybody will be like, yeah, why don't we have that? That's a great idea. Who's going to say no to that? There's no there's no culture war, there's no partisanship, there's nothing. All it is is yet yet this is the one thing our legislature hasn't done. Yep. Well, well not the one thing they haven't done, but the, this is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you corrected that statement. <laughs> that, that, that's a big correction. I mean, we had we just had our 37th hearing on, you know, K through 12 uh culture war issues on there. Maybe an hour of that could have been spent on getting a driver's license on my phone discussion. Just do Maybe. the initiative. That that's true. I don't. Do you want to be one of my signature gatherers? I need signature gatherers, and I can't pay. So this will be a volunteer effort. I'll sign, but I won't. You sign, but you won't distribute. <laughs> it's too bad. I mean, farmers market season is still here. I think we hit this thing hard in August and September. My guess Husker is you get a lot of volunteers. There were people out for signatures at Fan Day. On oh, there's one driveway uh, of a place that I go that there is. It's just like a it's a like a mini mini mall area, strip mall area. There's uh, twice I've encountered just a person out there walking around getting signatures. I'm like, is that really that efficient right now? Is that in the on weekdays and stuff, yeah. But well, if they're paid circulators, they're, I guess so. You, I oh, have I have yet to come across any any of those. Oh, really? We've yeah, I've seen now between the farmers market and between a couple of random places in town, I've come across the the signature gatherers. I don't know, Mark. That's not a bad idea. If the leg that's generally what happens is the legislature hasn't actually ever got to these issues, and so the citizenry has to pick it up themselves, get the signatures vote and actually get it going all right i'll get here here here, mark here's the deal i don't necessarily have enough time i don't think to throw this thing together i'll give the legislature until the end of next session okay okay until the beginning of the 2024 session or the end of the 2024 session so whenever that is april may of of 2024 and then after that then after that it's on it's on. And I don't want to have to embarrass everybody again with another voter initiative that overrides what the legislature did or didn't do, but I'm willing to do it at this point because it's uh, this is something we need, and this is obvious. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. I mean, or is this something like the executive branch can do without legislation? Do you think we need legislation to even do this? Can... Uh, can somebody under uh, 
one of Governor Pillen's agency's heads, agency heads just determined this as some kind of a rulemaking process, admin law situation? I don't know. That We need that, too. Let's go, everybody. Stand up. Something we can all agree. We all need an issue. We all need an issue that doesn't divide us but unites us. And getting driver's license on our phones, I think, could be that very issue. <laughs> except, well, for the, except for the people who just don't care, which there's probably some of those, too, because they always have their well, purse or wallet with them. I just did a little search yeah. of a service, and they said several states have adopted digital driver's license. Arizona, Colorado, yeah. Georgia. There's Hawaii, like 18 or 19 of them. Hawaii, Louisiana, Mississippi, Ohio, and Utah. Yeah, Maryland just did too. That was another yep. one. That might be a little outdated. That's a but digital license and ID. Yeah, yeah. It goes in your Apple Wallet. Goes in your Google Wallet. I mean, I can't imagine how nice it probably is to have that at all times. And then with the voting thing, it even makes more sense. Yep. All right, get it done. Get it done. Let's go. Which one of you legislators legislators are taking up this cause? Because. I mean, there's 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 a part of me that would be like, well, you know, they got to spend their time on more important stuff. But I've seen how these sessions go. (laughs) I mean, I've seen I've seen how this stuff goes. All right. What do we have going on today, Mark, besides my own personal problems? Um, Well, they confirmed an EF1 tornado out at Martell on Saturday. Uh, took down a uh, Airbnb. Oh my goodness! Is yeah. that sat on Saturday morning? Yeah, Saturday morning, yeah. Right, just uh, when the stuff was rolling through. Yeah. So that uh, was confirmed by uh, National Weather Service and uh, Lancaster County EMS. Otherwise, uh, hearing uh, at the Capitol yesterday, uh, only invited testifiers were allowed to speak, but it got invite only. Invite only. This was about, uh, I uh, mean. It, Senator Merman's committee. It was specifically about, at, uh, at least one of the bills was specifically about about giving parents more access to. Education. To knowing what these, but it yep. then got into these discussions of social, emotional learning or, you know, critical, that critical that situation. The, then critical race theory, whether or whether or not that was happening, the books that were in the library. I mean, you know, all the things that all it those. got into from there. So there was, uh, yeah, that that uh, that took place yesterday. Then uh, uh, Governor Pillen approved, and sixty Nebraska National Guardsmen headed to Texas to help with the border situation. Now that happened be there be- for a month. Okay, that happened before under Governor Ricketts, as I recall. Was that state? Was that National Guard or State Patrol? Oh, that might have been. Maybe that was, I it was State, state Patrol. Patrol. You could be right. I thought. Yeah, you. And it might, may have been both. It might have been. I think both. they were there. Couple of times. Okay, so. so they're there for a month. Did you say? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, federal funds paying for this one. All right. So that's those are the highlights. All right. The low lights, whichever you prefer to call it. Yeah. And uh, Caleb- the Scooties Frisky Bowl. <laughs> okay, you might want to explain that a little Scooties? more. The Scooties Frisky Bowl. <laughs> the Scooters Frisco Bowl. Where is Frisco, Texas? In Texas. Um, Is it a suburb of? I think it's in the Dallas area. Nebraska used to play a, Nebraska used to play a baseball tournament down there um, that they would go to frequently. But, uh, yes, uh, there's a bowl game in Frisco, Texas. Yeah, the, north side of Dallas. For those who don't know what Caleb is talking about when he says that. <laughs> uh, there, there are, there's a bowl game in Frisco, Texas. There are a lot of college football bowl games, but they added on. 
uh, Omaha original, and Lincoln had to be one of the first franchi- franchisees in the nation, um, Scooter's Coffee, which I always thought, like for a long time, I thought it was a Lincoln-only thing. I thought it was just the the in Lincoln, but it was in Omaha first. But they now have a major college bowl that they are sponsoring. Can you name, name on. the two previous sponsors of the Frisco Bowl? <sighs> I, don't, I don't think I can name either of them, no. DXL. Okay. The DX, I was going to say American DXL Express. Frisco so I was bowl. close. And the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. That was one of my favorites. All right. It's a big on drink companies. So, so there you go. And um, seemingly more important than Caleb bringing that up, yesterday was... <laughs> Come on! <laughs> yesterday... Uh, I like that Scooties. Scooties Frisky Bowl. Matt Rule talked to the media. Uh, most importantly, we found out a couple of things about the, the roster, and I'm sure you're going to get into that in sports, yep. but the most probably the most significant for this year is that Tanner Farmer is, at least for the time being... Miles. Tanner Miles, Tanner Farmer is an old offensive lineman. Tanner uh, <laughs> Miles Farmer, um, the, and they're not related. Miles Farmer is uh, is not going to be partaking uh, for now in team activities. Currently suspended. They're working through it. Don't know why. Don't know how long it'll last. Don't know if he'll ever come back or not. But correct. That was, and you know, he would have been a, a starter on the defense. A lot of experience. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest one. But there's a little bit more on the roster as well. Caleb will get you the latest. On that, and we'll discuss further a little bit later in the show as well. All right, we'll grab a break right now, 10 minutes away from the sound off. You listen to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. Hi, greetings. Welcome back on your first day of August 2023. 70 degrees in the capital city on your Tuesday morning. Talk to Joe Jordan about a half hour from right now about Nebraska news and politics. An hour from now, your morning drive will count down the five things people are talking about today. And a little bit later in the show, we will talk to you. Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. With that all said, let's get going today on the sound off. And I have got to start with this story, guys. It's from California. And evidently, they discovered a secret medical lab in California that was running illegally. And nothing about this. Nothing about this makes you feel good, okay? 
I, I'm gonna. I'm just giving you fair warning. If when you, after you hear this, you're not gonna feel better than you did before I played it. But that's the reality of the news. Sometime, take a listen to this. Health officials looking into a rundown warehouse in Reedley, California, finding an illegal lab operated by a Chinese medical company. The lab, run by Prestige Biotech, had at least 20 pathogens stored there including coronavirus, HIV, herpes, and malaria, as well as more than a 1,000 dead or dying genetically modified lab mice. Investigators confiscating vials containing biomaterials, including blood and tissue and unlabeled chemicals. They say the illegal lab had been shut down and that there's no evidence any of the pathogens escaped into the surrounding community. No charges have yet been filed as the investigation continues. Sue Guzman, Fox News. Super. Great. I'm more concerned about whatever that is and where there might be more of those than the the communist Chinese police stations or whatever supposed to be everywhere. Uh, the warehouse is in Reedley, California, and there are pictures of it. Uh, furniture, medical devices, materials improperly stored, just boxes all over the place, like medical equipment still in shrink wrap in there. What in the world? It's going to be a no for me. What in the world? Medical waste and hundreds of mice bioengineered to catch and carry the COVID-19 virus? What? What is going on? Prestige Biotech is the company. Chinese medical company registered in Nevada and this Reedley, California, about 24 miles southeast of Fresno. No business license. The city had no idea that they were on in this building. They operated under the cover of night. And they started an investigation last winter when a code enforcement officer just simply saw a garden hose attached to a building that was presumed to be vacant and didn't have a business license. So they dug into it. In March, they find out found out the facility housed various chemicals, suspected biological materials, bodily fluids, hundreds of lab mice, according to court documents. Um, they found these medical devices that looked like they had been used on the site. So COVID tests and pregnancy tests as well oh that they had run on people it looked like they had run on people um and so now fresno county is trying to get in touch with folks at prestige biotech and they're saying the company is not being forthcoming with information and not complying with orders at this point so they've finished now the biological abatement work of all the materials that were found there according to court documents as of a couple of weeks ago 20 different infectious agents were found there this is an, this is enough for for august let's get to september like this is i know it's day 1 we're this 6 hours and 41 minutes let's get to september this is too yeah. much so so there you go. Yeah, I got there. That raises a lot of question about what an, uh, a Chinese company is doing in a warehouse that they never told the city that they're in. Was it developed and, in a lab, Jack? I mean, I mean, listen, it goes to all that stuff. You, it's the first thing you think about. 
when you hear that that sort of thing is the origins Holy cow. of COVID and, and all of that. Or whatever so, else they were going to develop in there. It's crazy. Check out every warehouse that looks abandoned. Just make sure. Make sure there's not a secret medical lab in there where they've got mice infected. Check with all every sorts warehouse, of every storage Jeez. container. All right, what else do we have going on? Uh, so if you've ever driven on the interstate over the last, oh, I don't know, 40, 50 years, I'm not even sure how long back it goes, you see those trucks that are actually orange, have orange uh, trim and detail in them, and then it says the word yellow on it. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. That's it. So that's a trucking company. Yeah. It's been around for a long time. Um May not be around for a whole lot more, though. It's the largest bankruptcy in the history of the trucking industry. 99-year-old yellow trucking shut down Sunday. It's a business that has been saddled with debt, despite having received $700 million in federal pandemic bailout money. Hanging in the balance, 30,000 employees, including 22,000 Teamsters, who've been locked in a standoff with the company after they told Yellow it needed to renegotiate its multi-year contract. They are just the latest in a summer of labor turmoil, as hundreds of thousands of union workers have either threatened to strike or are already picketing this summer. So this is a Nashville, Tennessee-based trucking company, and the the union basically put out a an announcement said, "Hey, we found out they're seizing operations, they're filing for bankruptcy," um, and the the union the teamster said, "Well, it's unfortunate, but not surprising with this whole thing," and so a big a big chunk out of the American freight industry as well. That goes along with that. No bankruptcy filings had gone live as of uh, the early morning on um, today here, but that could be coming a little bit later as we go here. So, um, and then there's this. Uh, let's maybe a little bit of better news here after those first two. Um, it, there have been a lot of. It seems like Caleb a lot of the medical advances we've really talked about when it comes to the last six months on this show. Because we, you know, we hear about them have to do with Alzheimer's, um, which people who have gone through the the horrendous process of dealing with that and a family member, I'm sure, are are glad to hear for future generations that may have to deal with Alzheimer's. But now the newest part of this is apparently they've got a blood test now that you can purchase over the counter mm-hmm. that is going to give you a decent idea if you're at essentially at risk. For Alzheimer's. Quest Diagnostics is rolling out the first blood-based biomarker test to assess the risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. The test costs $399 and is available for purchase online and can determine a person's risk based on a brain protein that contributes to the condition, according to Quest. Quest says good candidates for the test include people who feel like they're experiencing cognitive decline, as well as those with a family history of Alzheimer's disease, are 65 years of age or older, or have had brain trauma or head injury. The innovation comes as the climate for Alzheimer's disease care rapidly changes with new and emerging therapies. Hillary Barsky, Fox News. So the, it, it basically gives you the, the potential years in advance of even really being symptomatic at all that, you know, not necessarily confirmed that you've got it, but that you're at, at risk for Alzheimer's. And then you wouldn't hopefully go through the process that I think a lot of patients do where they're essentially treated for symptoms of it, but it doesn't address the underlying cause for the whole thing, which in a lot of cases actually is 
Alzheimer's. I so. can't remember my uh, my twenty three and Me login, <laughs> but I'm pretty. There are they would go through when I did that, and they would even go through and update it. The things that you are more at risk because of family history and the different markers in your DNA. Yeah. Yeah, and if the test is positive, you're contacted by a doctor from an independent physician network, discuss the next steps, can share the results with other physicians. Then at that point, if you want to send it to your your family doctor as well or your personal doctor, you can do that um, as well. So um, we'll be it'll be interesting to see how that changes, if it does significantly change kind of the, the knowledge that people have of that and what kind of care that they receive mm-hmm. in advance of it or if signs of it start to yeah. start to pop up as well. Uh, sad news yesterday, uh, the passing of someone who, uh, especially for people of my age who were kids in the 80s, someone who was a pretty significant part of the entertainment industry at that time for kids, Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman. Paul Rubens, the actor best known for portraying Pee Wee Herman, has died after a private battle with cancer. He was 70 years old. The actor wrote a statement that was then posted on his Instagram account following his death. It read in part, please accept my apology for not going public with what I've been facing the last six years. I've always felt a huge amount of love and respect for my friends, fans, and supporters. I have loved you all so much and enjoyed making art for you. He then asked that any expression of sympathy be made in honor of his late parents, Judy and Milton Rubenfeld, to stand up to cancer or organizations involved in dementia and Alzheimer's care and support. Michelle Polino, Fox News. And reactions pouring in from a lot of different places yesterday. Tributes are pouring in on social media remembering Paul Rubens, the actor best known as Pee Wee Herman, who died Sunday night at the age of 70 after a private battle with cancer. Tim Burton, who directed Rubens and Pee Wee big adventure posted on instagram never forget how paul helped me at the beginning of my career mark horton who played francis the most notorious bicycle thief in film spoke about ruben's cancer battle on fox across america with jimmy Fallon. that was a private thing for him or whatever and uh there's so many uh things that he did for for kids with cancer mm-hmm. over the years that uh Nobody knew about Michelle Polino, Fox News. So, uh, was uh, was Pee Wee's Big Adventure part of your childhood no. library of movies? No. Okay, yeah, that was just that was very specific. I think to my generation. No, like I I saw I saw some things, but it was mostly just some things on like the internet. Yeah, where you would see something like when they would do the word of the day or something and like the, right the, 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 the you scream when you did that yes start the, going yeah nuts. that was and that was the that was the saturday morning tv show yeah but like, but like that was it that that was the extent of really things i knew about peewee yeah the, you know? the uh there there's it's on tv right now they're actually showing it on channel eight that's the movie oh okay that's the tv show but um yeah it was the the movie it was Pee Wee's Big Adventure when his bike was stolen and it was in the basement of the Alamo that was like that was the movie you saw over and over again as mm-hmm. as a kid when I was probably I don't know probably nine years old that it was a a huge a huge deal and Tim Burton that was one of Tim Burton's first films that he did as well okay so yeah so anyway uh, sad news there and apparently he had been I didn't know he was that old either I didn't mm-hmm. realize he was would have been seventy years old and. I barely ever saw him. Very rarely uh, did you even see him when he wasn't in the the Pee Wee Herman 
like costume and character. Yeah. Like, I don't remember really, I don't know if I ever saw him do an interview or anything out of character on that. He had a couple of other roles. He was in like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and was in a couple of other things. And then he had that controversy where he was, where he was, uh, caught for indecent exposure in a, in an adult film place back when that was a thing, mm-hmm. evidently. Um, and so there was the mugshot from that whole thing. But, Anyway, sad news on that as uh, Pee Wee Herman, a.k.a. Paul Rubens, passes away. Uh, this is uh, on, a, on a complete different note. Complete different note. This is hilarious. Uh, there is. A, did you see any of the pictures of the bears in, at the zoo in China? So the what you, you need to look the bears, the, the bears at the zoo in China. So th- there's a controversy, <laughs> evidently. At a zoo in China where the visitors to the zoo are saying, those aren't bears. Those are clearly humans dressed in bear suits. The zoo is continuing to maintain, nope, those are actual bears. I'm telling you, those are real bears. A furry frenzy spawned by a zoo in China denying suggestions that some of its bears could be people in costumes. After pictures of the bears standing like humans started making the rounds online. The Hangzhou Zoo posting on social media that sun bears from Malaysia are smaller than other bears and may look different. The post written from the bear's point of view reads, some people think I stand like a person. It seems you don't understand me very well. Furry suspicion is not surprising. Even China allows a thriving community of furry fandom, a subculture of people who dress in animal costumes and create a fursona or alternate persona when they're inside their fur suits, they say, for self-expression and personal growth. Therese Crowley, Fox News. You've got that the- is 1,000% a person in there. <laughs> One thousand percent. I am without a doubt. Go- guys, Google just Google it. Uh, I am convinced. bear China Zoo human. It'll probably come up, um, and it, the pictures are hilarious. <laughs> You've never seen a bear stand like that on its back legs <laughs> and had its butt all wrinkled up. Yeah, like the butt is um, the, the the bear suit is very wrinkled up. It is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, and then if you are a, um, if you are a, uh, Gen Z employee, maybe new to the corporate world, getting a job out there, maybe a recent college graduate, there's a, there's a more and more likely chance that the corporation, the company that you go to is going to ask you because of your lack of experience in the corporate world to take something called a corporate etiquette class. More and more of these are popping up in the business world. What is it exactly? Well, let's find out. And while these classes are available to all, managers at these companies say it is mostly for new grads and Gen Z workers who have never been in an office and lost critical learning skills during the pandemic when they were learning or working remotely. Training can cover everything from how to dress to how to communicate in person and over email and even how to handle food in the shared office fridge. One of the reasons these companies are offering etiquette classes is because they realize they can't just keep firing Gen Zers. They need to find a way to work with them. And that way is maybe these etiquette classes. <laughs> what is go? What is going on at these places exactly? All I'm, right. <laughs> I, I have worked plenty of places where there weren't any Gen Z employees. They're not the ones who need the etiquette class on not taking food from the fridge, guys. I think that's a pretty cross-generational problem. 
Uh, I'm really curious what, like, the, the the lack of corporate experience, how it's manifesting itself for sure. I mean, obviously, I guess in the areas that they're talking about is not knowing how to dress or act or use the fridge or anything like that. <laughs> or use the fridge. Be, be ready if you're going there. And then a quick one on, on uh, sports. It's, uh, it's a significant day in the baseball world, August 1st, where a bunch of players are going to end up on different teams when the day ends. The deadline arrives at 6 p.m. Eastern time, and often deals are made right up until the last minute as teams in playoff contention try to acquire more talent for a postseason run. In the last few days, several big-name players have already been dealt, with the Rangers picking up starting pitchers Matt Max Scherzer from the Mets, and Jordan Montgomery from the Cardinals. On Monday, the Rays acquired right-handed pitcher Aaron Savali from the Guardians for power-hitting first-base prospect Kyle Manzardo, who's currently in AAA and one of Tampa's best prospects. Also Monday, the Diamondbacks getting closer Paul Sewald from the Mariners. I'm Eric Messersmith, Fox News. All right, there you go. Uh, both of our teams, Caleb and my teams, are selling and hopefully sell- sellers. selling successfully. Um, and getting something in return. Pack it in. 2024. We'll see. We will see. All right, that's it for our sound off today. 70 degrees, partly cloudy skies in the capital city at 654. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we figured out Request Line Friday for this week. Apparently, we figured it out yesterday, and I didn't even know it. Well, there, there was only one request, I guess, that came in. <laughs> oh, we're still doing it now. It's fine. Eh, that'll work. We'll do it. We uh, we were talking yesterday about the, uh, the Bud Crawford fight, and if you didn't see it, he had rapper and now I believe Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member Eminem, yeah. uh, which I don't know about. But nonetheless, they had uh, he... he uh, Walked him to the ring and he had his song playing. And so, uh, we, we thought maybe we would do if you were walking into the ring, right? And you had one artist and song you could take with you as you walked in. Uh, the, not only the song, but we'll say even the artist will, will walk Ooh. with you as well to maximize the pump up factor, to ma- maximize the showmanship, to maximize all of those things. What would it be? What would your be- walk-in song before you have a fight? What would that be? Okay. And who's joining you on the walk-in? I think that part that part adds a little twist yeah, to it's it. A because little... it's, it's one thing to go, yeah, here's the song. But do I want that person walking yeah, to me, want... walking with me ringside? Yes. So, yeah, it's a little hard if you're taking, like, you know, Metallica with you. I mean, I guess you can. I guess hypothetically you can. Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I mean, they could do the same thing that Eminem did and actually just play the song and not perform it. Mm-hmm. And they could, you could just have Lars and, and James and Kirk, and they could all walk in with you. But And if they are older, you get them in their prime. You get them in their prime. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. All right. So, who are- I mean, if someone wants Elvis... I'm not going to tell them they can't. They have they to go can, find it's Elvis. A weird thing to pump you up for a fight, but whatever. I mean, hey, that someone out there. Yeah, everybody's a little different. Everybody gets motivated for different things. So, all right. So yes, you're walking to the ring. Who is your artist and song that is accompanying you? What choice do you make? Bud Crawford chose Eminem. Uh, Errol Spence, some rapper from Texas, I assume that I had never heard of. Um, it didn't work. 
and and then you, then you and whomever you would have. And and I want the full like visual of this whole thing too. <laughs> like these people walking in with these actual artists, <laughs> it'd be fascinating. So text those in real quick. Uh, the uh, the text line is 402-479-1400. All right, 70 degrees. Talk to Joe Jordan coming up in 10 minutes. And got your morning drive coming up a little over a half hour from right now. It is 7 o'clock on KLIM Lincoln. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Traffic. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back. 709, August 1st, 2023. Listen to LNK Today with Jack and Friends. I'm Jack Mitchell along with Caleb Henry, Mark Vale in the KLIN newsroom, Chris Lofkin along for time saver traffic and on a tuesday morning it is time to check in with news channel nebraska's joe jordan about the things going on in nebraska news and politics good morning joe how you doing today good jack welcome to august yeah we're here we made it to uh made it to august and uh big transition month in in a lot of ways yet yet yesterday it felt like uh felt like february not temperature wise but because we had the focus on a legislative hearing uh, which we typically don't have a lot of in in the summer months. But yesterday, the legislature's education committee had a hearing, and the hearing was seeking input on a group of legislative relu- res- legislative resolutions, I should say, dealing with, obviously, education, uh, seek interim studies of parent involvement in education, looking into how the Department of Education used COVID pandemic reliefs, uh, the concept of social and emotional learning as well. So this wasn't a public hearing. These were basically people who were called as, as witnesses or handpicked uh, people to testify on, on this whole thing. But, you know, I, I kind of followed along with it and, and what was discussed in the whole thing. Just, just when you kind of know what happened yesterday, what was said yesterday, what do you think this kind of forecasts for what happens with the broad topic of education and where it goes with this upcoming session in 2024? Well, conservatives in the legislature, and specifically uh, Senator uh, Merman, Dave Merman, who chairs the legislature's education committee, uh, they're they're making the case uh, that, uh, uh, that, that kids in Nebraska schools are being uh, taught too early uh, about sex, uh, critical race theory is out there. They're, they're making the case that that's being taught as well. Uh, I think there's been arg- arguments made that K-12 
kids are being uh, sort of mind controlled by uh, some of the, their curriculum, and um, and their opponents in the legislature are making the case that uh, Merman and others like him are just trying to uh, you know stir the pot uh, on, on these social issues, uh, which we saw you know heavily you know as you said last February uh, in the Nebraska legislature and, and the entire spring. On, uh, on on transgender, uh, on abortion, uh, I don't know that that means that this legislative session is going to be as contentious as the last one was, because that was the worst anybody's ever seen in terms of the two sides, <laughs> liberals, conservatives, however you want to label them, going at each other, you know, by the throats. Uh, but this hearing does indicate that there's good, there's there's more to come. Um, uh, and it's, it, it really is, it'll be really curious to see how, how, how the two sides fight this one out. Will, will this be the singular issue of this legislative, of this upcoming legislative, uh, session, or is there still some spillover that we're going to hear about from, on the transgender side and the abortion side? I'm, I, I, I think we're going to hear those again, to be honest with you. So I don't think it's going away. I think the uh, the contentiousness part of the legislature is in some ways just heating up, but as to as to just how far it goes, that's when, that's sort of the uh, under the wait and see column. But uh, but that hearing yesterday certainly indicated uh, that something's brewing, and 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 stay tuned. It, it, it's interesting because it felt like, and I think this was borne out again yesterday. It feels like a, a chunk of the discussion, not all of it, but a chunk of it is about what is really happening in schools and people having differing, you know, differing, not even opinions, but factual understandings of what is and what isn't happening, what is and what isn't being taught in schools. Um, what in, in the case of yesterday's hearing, like what power parents do already have and what they don't already have. It's it's I mean, and Joe, I, I think you'd probably agree. It's it's kind of hard. It's sort of hard to get to a consensus or even have a debate when people can't even agree on the facts that they're debating. But it seems like that comes up over and over again on this issue. Well, if you if you go back to the discussion a, a couple of years ago, and then it kind of it kind of went away. This whole thing about the critical race theory and was it being taught or was it not being taught? Right. It, it, we could never. Nobody could ever really get a handle on that. Uh, there was, you know, there were lots of rumors. There was lots of speculation, uh, but there was never any hard and fast evidence that said this was actually being done. But people on, you know, neither side could kind of could, could quantify, you know, either it is or it isn't happening. Uh, and, that's, and I think it's right. kind of where we are right now on, on, on this other uh, this this next step in this in terms of, you know, like I said, kids, you know, being taught sex at an early age and and then they're. Uh, being led down certain paths by certain administrators and teachers and what have you, um, it's uh, it's 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 really hard uh, on the on the journalism side of this to, to to pin down what's taking place. As you said, when 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 the facts aren't clear from either side, it it it, it leaves us in a situation where you you, you really don't know who who you want to believe in this thing. Yeah, and uh, and there's there's still a question too. I think at least I've got a question. Maybe maybe this is is clear, but it's like okay, what is what's the state's power here versus 
the district's power on on some of these mm-hmm. issues and to you know where and and maybe that's a discussion and I think it is being had but where should the state where should the state be able to get involved in terms of setting you know curriculum policies requirements things that they've done for years things that they haven't done versus where is kind of the local control and the district's power and a different thing might be happening. Well, the two superintendents, I think, that talked are school board members. You had admins from like Central City and from Millard, which would be very different situations as well. Do you think those issues kind of still exist in terms of whose jurisdiction what is at this point? Well, you've got, you know, you've got, so you've got the State Board of Education, which sort of oversees, you know, the, the state and, and, and schools. But on a day-to-day, you know, curriculum issue, that's up to, as I understand it and have for years, that's up to each individual district. Uh, and the State Board of Education is just is, is more of an overseer, just trying to keep things on, on sort of an even keel across the state. But the individual districts, uh, with, with their own, you know, re- elected representatives, uh, set their own uh, curriculum, uh, budgets, uh, and 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 so you can have what's going on at, at, at the Omaha Public Schools can be far different than what's going on, you know, in, in Scotts Bluff or you know, Ogallala or you pick it. But uh, that's you know it is it is that local control which you know which most Nebraskans, conservatives, liberals, whatever seem to agree on in terms of we want to have local control until you don't want to have local control. <laughs> right. And, and that's it. And I think, and I, and I presume that that's going to be part of this debate uh, after the first of the year in terms of, you know, who's deciding what the, what these, what the kids are learning. Uh, is it going to be a, a, some type of state mandate, which I can't imagine would, would get real far uh, in, in the legislature uh, but uh, but I've been fooled before. Yeah, it, boy, <laughs> isn't it issue interesting, Joe? You know, in uh, you know years ago when when you were covering politics and probably you know school board meetings and those sorts of things, just how much you know local control used to be very you know very associated with with one side of the aisle and not the other, and it's and and you could probably say this about a lot of things, but. It's just, it doesn't mean it doesn't conjure up the same images politically as it probably did twenty thirty years ago. Right, and you know it, it's 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 kind of, it, it, to me, Jack. It's kind of like this whole issue, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. But the U.S. Supreme Court, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, everybody says they want judges who don't interpret the law, but you know, stand by the Constitution. Right, but but. You look at it, and you know, and, and this is both sides. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, the progressives, the liberals, they want someone in there who's going to give them who's going to give them opinions that they want, and 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 those on the right, the conservatives, they want they want judges whose opinions are going to agree right. with them. You can't, you just can't take politics out of some of these things. It's absolutely impossible. And um, and for those who think they can, I I. I Tell them to take a second look at it because the politics of this uh, doesn't go away. And and getting back to the the issue at, at hand here with the legislature, you know we know what the numbers are. They're close. Uh, it, you know 
uh, Senator McDonald from Omaha has been sort of the, the, the swing, you know, key vote for the conservatives in this. And I don't, to be honest with you, although I know Mike McDonald pretty well, I don't know where he is on some of these education issues. And if they do come to the floor, it will be curious to see where he winds up with those going forward as he as he prepares to run for mayor of Omaha in 2025. Yeah, uh, that's right. That You've got all of that is going to be magnified with that potential mayor's race coming uh coming up as well uh the other thing that that was uh making news here this week has to do um with the attorney general uh, of nebraska mike hilgers and and some of the kind of back and forth that he's had with uh with a group of lawmakers so as i mean the background for our listeners is that hilgers joined attorney attorney generals i believe 18 states and they had a they opposed a, a policy that would have been federal expansion of reproductive health privacy so it had to do with the information that comes along with that they wrote this this letter saying that they officially opposed this situation um and and this this kind i mean it really it really gets down to this idea uh essentially i think i mean i think everybody's sort of focusing on the impacts of abortions and you know potentially going to other states and and what happens with that so lawmakers sent a letter to hilgers then after that um asking him to clarify his stance, asking why it might be important to have Nebraskans' medical records from other states, um, whether or not, and then bottom line, whether or not he's going to prosecute um, prosecute people. And, and he basically came back and said, hey, it's just the status quo right now. It's a, it's a Clinton-era rule. At this point, uh, it seeks to balance individuals' privacy interests against the legitimate interests of certain uses of health information. And Hilger said there's concerns if it went further than this or things that you couldn't do that we would all want to happen in terms of investigating human traffickers and rapists and sexual predators and and those sorts of things. But uh, the, the bottom line, Joe, on this, I'm curious what your reaction to this and, and, and specifically because it, it seems to me that the whole, you know, we're talking about a lot of different things here, but doesn't all of this kind of come down to abortion policy and specifically, you know, what can and can't be done if and when someone goes over state lines to have an abortion performed? Yes, with, without a doubt. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's I, I'm not a big believer in coincidences <laughs> and I don't think it's any coincidence that this that this issue and the, and the letter you're talking about, all of this comes just months uh, after the Nebraska legislature, uh, you know, passed the uh, the uh, 12 week ban on abortions, uh, and 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 as we know, uh, if not if anecdotally, if not uh, in some reporting that's been out there, there have been people that have left the state uh, or are thinking about leaving the state. You know, going down if, if they look at looking at their future of women leaving the state to have an abortion, uh, and while and while. Uh, uh, Hilgers and the others that you mentioned uh, are talking about whether or not they should be able to get this medical information of someone who leaves a state, goes to another state. Uh, the attorney general in uh, Illinois, where abortion uh, is uh, uh, far more easily accessible, uh, uh, is making the case that that information is not going to be released, and, and he'll do whatever he can to keep that information uh, uh, private. And we and you get into the whole thing about about, about the HIPAA regulations and what what yeah. is available and what isn't available and and you know for years we've all thought that that, that information like that is is protected and uh, and is it or isn't it I, again uh, this is something obviously that's lining up for another court fight 
uh, which is which is where this whole abortion thing is is always going to go in the end. It, it, there's going to be a court fight over all these things, and and we'll, we'll see where they go. But um, but I have but I couldn't agree with you more that that this stems from the the the, the questions of, of the abortion issue in, in Nebraska as we wait, you know, for the uh, Lancaster County uh, District Court judge to decide uh, whether she she believes that the uh, opponents of the 12-week yeah. ban can go forward with their attempt to either get an injunction and stop it or, you know, temporarily or, you know, completely. Um, and that's, you know, as we talked, I think it was just last week, when that decision comes out, one way or the other, it's going to the Supreme Court of Nebraska for a decision. So all these things are, are mired in long legal fights going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and it should be noted, Hilger said, look, he says it, you, you're, you're mistaken in your concerns because you're, you're essentially assuming that the rule has simply a very limited scope of preventing law enforcement from getting information that could be used to make these prosecutions, uh, whether it's, you know, whether it's, over state lines or in within the states could be within the state i suppose too i've been saying over state lines but it could be because there's that case in norfolk i think that a lot of uh, a lot of these lawmakers mm-hmm. are pointing to um and for those who don't know about that it was um an abortion related case where a 17 year old uh, daughter was helped by mom to obtain abortion pills for an abortion that was late in the pregnancy um, and then they, they, without getting into details of it, they took care of the, the fetus after that. And there was a prosecution there. So I think that's probably been kind of the impetus is there's a, there's kind of a, Hey, is this going, going forward? Is this going to be something that happens? Um, is this, or is our, is Nebraska law truly prohibiting the prosecution of, of this here, which Hilger's noted, he, he said during this whole thing as well. So yeah, it, it it's, it's going to be interesting. And, but Joe, you make a good point. I mean, we got to wait and see what happens in, in court to kind of figure out what the rules of the game are for this whole thing at the beginning. So, well, and just, and I, I, I remind myself that it was a couple of months ago when I was interviewing, uh, governor Pillen about this question of prosecution yes, because that's the right. legislative debate was never clear on that. Yes. Uh, there were law, lawmakers said, you know, you're allowing that the, those were opposed to 12 feet. They were making the case that, that this new legislation opened the door to prosecution of, uh, of, of, of women and or physicians who perform abortions. Uh, and, and the governor's answers were never really crystal clear about that. He was making the case that there, there wouldn't be prosecutions, but then, then when I asked him if, you know, well, if someone did have an abortion after 12 weeks, so what would be the ramifications? He said, well, we'd have to kind of see where that yeah. went. Well, so it's, it's really unclear as to what Nebraska uh, would do, uh, given that given those opportunities, so to speak. Yeah, it, does, it seems like there's been some gray area there. So we'll see. Hey, thanks for your time, Joe. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Take care, Jack. Thank Joe you. Jordan, News Channel, Nebraska, at 726 on KLIN. Insight into a world of noise and confusion. They say what I think, but smarter. <laughs> 1499.3 KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 
You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is The Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, let's get things started today with number number five. After targeting abortion and LGBTQ plus health care, some social uh, conservatives in the state have now signaled, uh, signaled an intent to focus the 2024 legislative session and elections on education, including pushback by some parents against what's being taught and shared in K-12 schools. It was an education committee hearing at the legislature yesterday. Chairman is Senator Dave Merman of Glenville. He had eight hand-picked test fires, and it was a three-hour hearing. At uh, times, went into talk of slavery, critical race theory, porn, and whether philanthropist Bill Gates has any influence over K-12 curricula in the nation. Uh, Nebraska Examiner has got a complete report on it. I think if Bill Gates had uh, Bill Gates had the uh, influence, the kids would be using more Windows computers instead of Chromebooks and Macs. But nonetheless, nonetheless, yeah, I mean, so these are, these, these were legislative resolutions that had to do with basically interim studies on on several topics, including uh, the use of federal funds from COVID relief dollars, um, content that that is out there that exists in the State of Department of Education on the Launch Nebraska website, the way that that website is used more generally. Um, the, the there's another one of these legislative resolutions as well. That's another interim study, and this relates to parental involvement. So the current statutory requirements relating to parental involvement, statutory changes related to that, um, and and what might be able to, you know, what information parents might be able to get or their potential for statutes being passed to make that more clear. So that's what this, this was all related to is these legislative resolutions that would come up all for these interim studies on here. It's not necessarily for a specific policy policy change at this point, although it was discussed in, in that way in sometimes uh, at sometimes during the course of, of this hearing. And as I said when I was talking to Joe, when you listen to these hearings and it feels like people have a completely of course they're going to disagree uh, philosophy-wise, policy-wise on some of these things, but it sounds like the sides on this can't even particularly get straight what is and what isn't happening in the schools and what's being taught and what's they don't agree on the, the facts of this to even have the discussion on some of these things. Um, and that feels kind of problematic and it's going to make it impossible to ever have a productive discussion about what should be happening going forward. So, yeah, yeah, yeah Mark, you're yeah, right. Well, uh, there was a it wasn't official, but there was a forum in, on another hearing room. Three senators, uh, you know, kind of counter to that. Uh, Senator Terrell McKinney of Omaha, Michaela Cavanaugh 
and uh, Senator Carol Blood, uh, they held a forum defending social and emotional learning. So, And I got to tell you what, I have one child who just finished high school. I got one child uh, who is going into, what, seventh grade? I always got to think because the grades are middle school and junior high are different now. Um, I don't, I, I don't know what <laughs> what that is, or you know necessarily how or hasn't how it has or or hasn't been used if it was used at all um, in the in the term of their. I haven't heard about anything that that sounds like it or sounds controversial here at this point, but I honestly don't know. I'm 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 not sure. If that's but, been something that's happening, but I don't. But, but bottom line is, I personally, where I am, I don't have uh, I don't have a concern that there's been anything that's been problematic so far. So I know other parents are different on that. Yeah, and it, and, and that, that's as varied as the the parents' beliefs. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yep, w- without a doubt. So we'll see uh, what role what's going to happen here when we get into the legislative session on on those issues as well but definitely and that's one of those huge culture huge culture war issues uh, it feels like raging on right now number four Uh, another one of those culture issues uh, the issue of abortion Uh, nine uh, state senators I believe it was uh, sent a letter to Attorney General Mike Hilgers asking him to clarify his stance on reproductive health privacy and medical autonomy uh, they question why it might be important to have Nebraskans' medical records from other states. Well, uh, Attorney General Hilger said yesterday his office strongly supports reproductive health privacy. So here's another one. This and, and, and this all kind of comes down, Mark, because so essentially there was a, there's a Biden federal rule that's being proposed that would add the exceptions, add to exceptions where. Uh, or take away exceptions where the the pro- that prosecutors or the government could not have access to some of these things. Hilgers is saying, wait, this is too broad because it'll prevent criminal investigations into things like human trafficking, rape allegations, those sorts of things as well. The other side is saying, no, there are already tools out there to get that. But the bottom line is that this is, there. there's kind of this question that is hanging out there that I don't know, I mean... For his part, Attorney General Hilger said, "Look, it's it's state law that that this state is not going to be po- is not going to be prosecuting um, for abortions for for people who get abortions. That's what who the law is state. right now. What's that for people who go out of or, state or local? I mean, the one well, the, the one that's brought this whole conversation up, Mark, was one that happened in state though because it happened late in the in the term. This one in in Norfolk, and that's brought on a ton of this conversation." Um, I think the the question is is like you know there was a prosecution there. What made that case different than another potential prosecution that isn't going to happen at the state level, or does this open a open a door for more of that to happen? And that feels a little unsettled in terms of what the answer is uh, right now. So that's the I think I mean that's really the bottom line of this whole thing as I just discussed with Joe Jordan from News Channel Nebraska. But there's also the issue of, of crossing state lines. And whether those records can be added. That's an issue, too. Yes. Yeah, that so yeah, that's certainly is an issue, too. Uh, but yes, but this would be even, either way, this could be something that that um, prosecutors could potentially get. It's it's a question about whether they get them domestically or across state lines. And this all has to do with HIPAA, right? 
I mean, yes. the core the core of, of it is our HIPAA. Yeah. Regulation. Yes, I believe. Um, all right, moving on. Number three. First day of fall camp yesterday, and uh, Caleb, you were there. What the crew have to say? Well, it sounded like everyone was pretty excited to just be out and playing a little bit of football and not in those beds, especially Ty Robinson, not happy was, with, with the size man, of those little twin beds in the dorm. I saw the pictures of those dorms. That was the first thing I said on yesterday's <laughs> show is I get a backache just looking at those beds. Um, and Coach so. Matt Rule said he was disappointed that it, it, it wasn't worse off for everybody. He wanted it just be like a, a cot, no air conditioning. That's what dorm life for me was like. I mean, I had a bed, but uh, we had no air conditioning whatsoever in our dorm. And late August, that wasn't always fun. No, but they they did make sure they got a lot of guys reps. They split everything up. Typically, kind of older guys and younger guys. But depending on kind of the makeup for a room, you may have had some guys that are older. Maybe they're they're juniors or redshirt juniors. And they kind of went with the younger guys. But they split them up into two groups so that everyone could get a whole lot of reps yesterday. Which is good because you have the majority of this team as freshmen or sophomores. So you've got a lot of guys you need to develop. There's there's a lot of inexperience all over the place. So you're going to have to bring a lot of guys along and hope some of those younger guys can develop. Uh, Coach Rule also gave us an update on a few guys, including Miles Farmer, who is currently suspended. And that's just kind of a wait and see on what's going to happen there. He started 11 games. We don't know why he's suspended. Back. Nope, yeah. just, just he... Mostly, Matt Rule just said kind of team standards, and, and they're going through discussions on that. So we'll have to see where any of that even comes out. Right. Um, outside of that, just seemed like guys were really really happy to be playing football and excited to see where the season goes. Nick Henrich talked a lot about his recovery. Feels like he's really ready to go. Still in a knee brace on that. Billy Kemp was uh, was out there, talked a little bit. Ty Robinson talked. He's really excited and focused on Minnesota. As, as they get in. And a matter of fact, for Ty Robinson, he was just at Fan Day on Sunday. And you can see some of the social media video. He has hair. He meets with the media yesterday. No hair. Oh, really? So between Fan Day and meeting with us yesterday morning, they got that good old dorm haircut. Oh, wow. Buzzed him up. But it, just to be clear, it's not like everybody had because Nick Henrich still no, had he's his still beautiful, got that flow. He said he's not going. He's not. <laughs> he's not doing that. Ty Robinson in particular, who I don't know how tall he is, but he said he was like, my feet won't hang off the back of the bed. Yeah, they they hang off the little wood places. part at the very end. But guys are in there. They're they're mixing up a bunch of guys up. So it's really this is a big thing for bonding. And if you hadn't heard, they they have the whole team in Selick in the dorms, including all of the coaches. Uh, Matt Rule did say he he told the two that are over 60 on their coaching staff that they don't have to, but they still might be in there. But it's it's all the coaches, it's trainers, it's strength staff. They might have about 160 between their players and staff in the dorms right now for these next two weeks as they go through camp, get everything Man. geared up for the, for the fall and you're after day one. I'm wondering how well those dorms are going to feel when you're more than one practice in. Right. Because now you're not you're not going home to your bed. You're not going right. home to an individual you're not going shower. Home to a couch. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you lay on the couch and watch TV. I don't know. Maybe they have lounges where they can do that. That's what we did. <laughs> we all went into a mutual lounge so we mm-hmm. could find a couch to go lay on. But yeah. But yeah. How how do these things start to feel? And I think as we go through. We go through this process in the preseason. Who who starts to emerge? Who maybe has an injury here or there? You start to we, we got to see a little bit 
uh, of open practice yesterday. Only about 15 minutes. <laughs> Think about it before. We're like, man, that 30-minute window couldn't really see a whole lot. Well, 15 minutes didn't really see anything in there either. Other than you can just see how guys have maybe reshaped some of their bodies. Who who looks good? Who maybe looks like they're they're moving a little bit slower? Some of those things, but not a whole lot. It's a day one. Just get guys back out there, and you can be in shape. But as Matt Rule said yesterday. It's different when all of a sudden you put the helmet on and you start running around. You're like, all right, I, now i got to get back in it. I think Matt Rule, about about 9.15, 9.30, gets, his, gets an acoustic guitar out in the dorm and everybody kind of hey guys, playing. Hey, guys, got and, some got some songs. Anyway, this is called Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on. Number two. Nebraska-based Scooters Coffee. By the way, they're in 29 states approaching 700 storms. They're the new title sponsor for the Frisco Bowl. The Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl, Tuesday, December 19th, 9 Eastern, Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. First, uh, 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 the teams will be announced early December. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll put them in the bowl game. I, I will admit, despite, you know, patronizing it very frequently doing advertisements for uh, scooters in the past i did not realize how widespread they were around the country i didn't either at this point like i still think no idea i still think of them as kind of a a local a local place a lincoln omaha place essentially but they a couple years ago we were in seeing my brother and sister-in-law in the des moines area and there was one there and i was like whoa you guys are you guys feel like a Lincoln now. You got one of these here. Well, apparently, all kinds of places in South Carolina and Texas and and Arizona and Tennessee all feel like Lincoln now because they've got them as well. And you have that kind of a but. Like the first time I saw this, I was like, "That's like it felt like that's like Runza or Valentino sponsoring sponsoring a bowl game." Well, Scooters has gotten a lot bigger than that. So seven hundred stores, 29, 29 states. So we'll see now. In the Duke's Mayo Bowl, they dump mayo on the uh, winning coach. Oh, do not. Dr- cold brew? <laughs> They've got cold drinks. They've got cold drinks. We don't want to scald anyone, but how about a, what do they call that? A, a caramelicious? <laughs> the the uh, candy bar blender. Yeah, the, that, the candy that's bar I'm one at. on top of the winning coach. All sugar and twice the fun. Smoothies. That'd be good. Now, if you're thinking about, because bowl games typically they have... Conference tie-ins. tie-ins. Yeah. Uh, the American, I guess, is, is one of the tie-ins for it. But you've seen over the years teams from the Mountain West, Conference USA, MAC, in, in the American. Uh, in the Frisco Bowl, obviously, they've had different title sponsors over that time. Louisiana Tech, SMU, Ohio. Yes, Frank Solich coached in the Frisco Bowl uh-huh. a few years ago. San Diego State, Kent State, Utah State. Uh, UTSA, Boise, and North Texas have been right. the teams that have competed. I don't hear any Big Ten schools, so looks like it's not happening. Maybe but, ne- Nebraska to hey, the Frisco got, Bowl, baby. They have, listen, before we get picky about bowls, they got to get to a bowl first. So we we'll focus on that for the time being. Accept it in a hurry. Number one, Hollywood mourning the loss of a children's icon, Paul Rubens. Uh, his TV alter ego, movie alter ego as well, Pee Wee Herman, died yesterday. 
Uh, he's been battling cancer for six years. Yeah, they they did. He basically hadn't told anyone publicly, at least, about this. And he had a statement that he put out before he passed away, or he wrote before he put away. It was put out after he passed away. It said, please accept my apology for not going public with what I've been facing the last six years. I've always felt a huge amount of love and respect for my friends, fans, and supporters. I've loved you all so much and enjoyed making art for you. Um, so, a, a nice statement. And as I was telling Caleb. Now, Caleb's never seen um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, where that was. I think if you are my age, you saw that as a rite of passage Mm -hmm. multiple, multiple times as a kid. And you have parts of that movie just committed to memory if you're right around around my age. Because I was probably about nine years old when that movie came out. And boy, did we see it a lot. And you'll know what I mean when I say the large Marge scene is maybe the scariest moment in American cinema history. If you get it, you get it. And neither of you guys do. Nope. (laughs) All right. Well, good time for me to say Gen Xers, we're going to win in the next generation collaboration while I'm sending you messages. Good for you because you're going to get skipped over for the presidency. That's true. (laughs) It's it's very true. Uh, (laughs) Sad. (laughs) May never happen. Uh, Speaking of... But we all saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure. All right. Ooh, Anything wow. else to add, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, what? Uh, our poll of the week. Oh, yes. What? What is the poll of the week? How do you pronounce old and then that C-H-E-N-E-Y? Old Cheney or old Cheney? By the way, just for the record, this will not change my mind no matter what the outcome is. But right now, it's 91% for old Cheney. <laughs> That's not even close. Like I said, irrelevant. That's that's outside the margin of error. Same thing. I don't I don't cast my votes the way that the majority's thinking. So hey, I don't necessarily. Hey, this poll call has my predicted streets. gubernatorial races. Right. Okay, and it was correct. <laughs> Listen, I, I I have my own mind. It's I don't the will have of the think, people. I don't have to think like the mob group think as well <laughs> in terms of name pronunciations. Seven fifty six. It's LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Less than five weeks until the beginning of the Matt Rule era of Nebraska football. Stay up to date right here on 1499.3 KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. 
All right, it's 8.09 on this first day of August 2023. 71 degrees. Cool out there right now. I was looking ahead at the extended forecast a week from last night. So, and I guess early, a week from early this morning. The forecast low on the 7th, 59 degrees. 59 degrees. And that was that's when the people will be... Buying their first pumpkin spice products. That's my prediction. August 7th. Which I know, because this is my birthday, it's usually a very hot day. I don't know if we've ever had 59 degree low. What, are you upset that I worked my birthday into this thing? Yes. One, stop bringing your birthday up. And just, two, stop bringing up pumpkin spice. <laughs> it's it's going to be... Listen, I'm just reading the... I'm reading the societal momentum. And I think I know this society pretty enough, well by now enough on the pumpkin <laughs> pumpkin uh all right jason ball Lincoln chamber of commerce uh is going to join us i mean jason i saw halloween candy out on the shelves at the grocery store over the weekend so well, it's, it's always good to plan we're, ahead we're moving. but and and on that note jack let me be the first to wish you a very happy thank birthday you I, how did you even know that's great i appreciate it that's so nice of you um <laughs> Glad to have you with us. Uh, how you been? What have you been up to? It's been a little while since I've talked to you. It's been a minute, hasn't you, it? Yeah, what have you been up to this summer? Uh, you know what? I've been spending uh, lots of family time. We took a little bit of a family trip. I had an ill-fated attempt at camping with my son this last weekend. <laughs> Wait, ill-fated? Ill-fated. Did, it, in that it didn't finish or it just didn't go well? Well, it was hot as blazes, as people might have noticed when, when we were out there. And, of course, I was the the, go, the gung-ho dad going, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this son and he's like, oh, okay dad we had it we had a good time everybody was safe everybody was healthy we drank lots of water but uh it was it was definitely hotter and we bargained oh for it. we may have skipped our second night so okay yeah. yeah that's sleeping in that in that situation does not sound ideal yeah yeah uh, well very good well um back at it here with the uh, lincoln chamber and uh having a chat with you about that uh, let's talk about uh, something that might be of interest to small businesses, small business owners who might be listening us uh, to us as well. There's a new tax incentive program uh, out there that could give them a little assistance. Um, I believe it's called the Urban Redevelopment Act. Tell us about yeah. you know, where this came from and what it might mean for people who are yeah, listening. Well, I'll, I'll just start with saying, look, if you're a small business, this is going to be something you want to pay attention to, especially if you're a small business that's making investments in any kind of equipment right now. Um, we hear from a lot of businesses out there saying, you know, Jason, look, there's these great programs for maybe large businesses or industrial corporations are adding big equipment, but there's, there's, there's nothing for businesses that aren't adding, you know, 50 people at a time, a hundred people at a time, 200 people at a time. And, and that has been a gap in some of the services that have been available. But this Urban Redevelopment Act is something that we're working with a lot in our office. It's actually legislation that was passed at the state back in 2021. Oh, okay. An $8 million bill. And it's, it's a 5% tax credit on investments made in any for profit business. Um, and the investment value being 50000 up to a, a million dollars. And you don't even have to make that investment in one big chunk. And I know those, those are big numbers to me. Yeah. Uh, I know that's not uh, just uh, the change you find the couch cushions, right? Right, right. Um, but, but for businesses that are, are putting in, say, you're a grocery store and you're putting in a new bank of freezers, you're going right. to drop 50000 plus pretty darn quick. And so we're just trying to get the word out to small businesses. And the, the nice thing about it is there's no 
uh, bottom limitation for jobs you have to add. So if you're just replacing those hypothetical freezers in your grocery store, you can participate in this 5% tax credit that you get back on the value of whatever you invest. I suppose that can be a fairly significant tax credit. That'll, I mean, um, depending on, on what your situation is for a lot of these small business owners. Yeah. It could be really beneficial. It adds up fast. It's a few thousand dollars. You can, you can pour that back into your business or operations. You can invest in your workforce. Um, and, and again, we, we hear from frustrated business owners and I think understandably so, so often that, you know, Jason, these programs, uh, that are out there aren't necessarily relevant to this, to us mm-hmm. as small businesses. We think this would be, and again, you can drive a truck through the definition of a, of a for-profit business. They're, they, they wrote this to be loose. And so this program is going to last until I think 2031. Or if the eight million dollars gets fully allocated across the state, I, and I know this is part of what the chamber does, but I always kind of wonder when we hear about these things, how you know, just hoping that all the, the business owners are aware of these things that they, you know, yeah. and I'm sure there's other similar things as well, um, and and just make sure nobody's hey, I didn't even have an any idea about that I was eligible for this program or this program. Yeah, that's, that's why it's so thing. important to listen to KLIN right, in the morning exactly. so you can you get the it. word on some of this right, stuff. So you can get these tax credits. That's what I'm saying. Um, so uh, 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 Bruce from the chamber recently had a chance to go to uh, Washington D.C. last week, and you know this is kind of a, this this is kind of a policy discussion situation with the uh, U.S. Chamber. Uh, tell us a little bit of the report you got back from him on this process and and what what was the the onus of the discussion there yeah well the, look this year the chamber decided that as the lincoln chamber we're going to fix all of how washington dc i was going to say yeah <laughs> no no big deal this, send bruce up there this is our first trip give us another couple months we'll have this sorted out right. uh no i more seriously um you know the lincoln chambers had a history of of working well with our federal federal delegation um, but something that's been important to me in coming back here and, and Bruce and our leadership is wanting to make sure that we are getting out to Washington, D.C. to interact with the delegation uh, out there. And in, in recent years, because of COVID and lots of reasons, that's just been less of a focus and mm-hmm. we're getting back to that. And so, you know, we're out there talking. We, we met with uh, all of our delegation when mm-hmm. we were out there. We took a small group of business leaders that included uh, uh, representatives from the Nebraska Chamber, uh, Olson Associates was with us, uh, uh, even University of Nebraska was out there with us. And, and you know, we, we forwarded requests that are related to uh, workforce and immigration and border security concerns that the business community has expressed here. Um, tax cuts, solidifying tax cuts is always something that we're, we're focused on. Um, research and development requests, in particular that uh, USDA Research Center um, on innovation campus that we want to get completed. That's going to take some federal uh, input. And then, uh, and then talking about infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. I've been on here talking about the East Beltway a lot. Right. Um, look, our, our friends and our federal delegation, uh, we are looking to uh, to help us complete that project, and and I think we're going to get there eventually. All right. So yeah. so having a chance to meet with the, with the delegation, who by the way then uh, is going to be back here uh, next week, and this is a chance w- for some of the attendees that go to that at, at Strategic Air Command and Aerospace Museum to to hear from this federal federal delegation too. On, yeah, on yeah. some of probably these issues that Bruce was discussing, and maybe some others as well. Yeah, and so e- every year we are able to have in this. Started back in 2008, 2009, a federal flyback uh, up 
up until then, uh, each chamber and organizations uh, were going out to D.C. exclusively and taking groups to do that, and that's a fine thing to do. But uh, if everybody will recall, 2008, 2009, not a banner year for the economy, not a year to be traveling. Mm-hmm. And they started this uh, federal legislative summit and brought the entire Nebraska delegation back. And we've been doing that every summer ever since on the August break. Um, and so, unfortunately, this year, Congressman Bacon is going to be unable to to join us. He has another conflict. But um, we'll have the rest of the delegation there, and we'll be able to hear directly from them, again, on many of these issues that, that I just rattled through. Uh, but it's important for them to, to hear and take questions from uh, our community, uh, for our business leaders to interact with them. We have a great delegation. They're very plugged in. Um, but this is another event that just gives people another chance to hear from them, and, and uh, we're very pleased that it's going to be another sold-out event. Yeah, sure. when you have the delegation there, what are they interested in, and what are the you know? I mean, I know generally what they're interested in, but yeah. what uh, you know, what is where does the conversation uh, tend to go on these things, or, or where maybe do you think it'll go when you have the federal delegation in? Well, what I anticipate, and obviously I don't speak for any of these offices, but uh, you know, I I think that we'll see, uh, for example, Congressman Flood's very excited about uh, legislation that he's working on uh, related to uh, the fallout from Silicon Valley Valley Bank and Mm -hmm. related to one of the... um committees that he serves on yeah and so he's he's going to want to to have a conversation about that um i i do think we're going to hear from the senate delegation on the the russia and ukraine conflict that's something uh that each senator has uh some some really relevant uh committee appointments to and so i'm looking at any sort of insights they can share about sure uh how the republican party uh feels about the direction of of that conflict as well as what that conflict looks like just on the national basis yeah uh from good informed national leaders yeah um so i hope we'll hear about that we we are really wanting to again advance that conversation about uh border security and immigration um and and i know this is just uh uh sometimes a difficult topic to talk about but i think the state chamber has really made a compelling case uh that uh, america and certainly nebraska were just not creating babies at a fast enough pace to fuel the growth of the economy that we want. And yeah. so if we want the economy to, to continue to grow, some form of legal and safe immigration is going to is going to need to be part of that equation, um, as well as border security uh, is just going to always be something that the nation has to yeah. focus on. It's kind of a fascinating overlay on that issue, because as you, you know, I can even tell in the tone of your voice, this is uh <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's one that people, a lot of people are very, very fired up about in in various directions. But but there is that sort of overlay of the economy and jobs and where we are now as a pair as opposed to where we were at other times on this. And yeah. just kind of an an analysis of of what the impact would be of various policy options that are out there from a you know from that from that economic perspective well and and when we look at at trends that are happening economically right and even in rural nebraska where we've seen in say farming uh automation and technology has really allowed uh fewer people to produce much much more right Mm -hmm. but even in rural nebraska i'm again i'm told by the state chamber and others uh, that the, the, the pain has gotten great enough, right? People aren't coming back to run the family farm uh, like they used to. People aren't coming back to work in, in farm economies. And, and goodness knows in the Lincoln-Omaha economy, mm-hmm. we've needed people mm-hmm. uh, to add to what I feel like are good, high-paying uh, career track uh, opportunity-creating jobs. 
and uh, and it's not coming from me. This isn't Jason's opinion. Right. This is business leaders in Lincoln who have been in meetings. I've heard them say, "Look, if not for immigrants coming uh, to Lincoln, uh, we wouldn't be able to operate the way we do today." Just point blank. And so it really, for, for us, becomes do we want to grow the economy or not type of a, a question. And I understand people have other concerns and, and uh, feelings and issues wrapped around that. That's fine. That's legitimate. That's a, a conversation that the nation needs to have. Um, but from an economic growth standpoint, we need to we need to be serious about how we're going to navigate that. On a more uh, on a more general note, less about immigration, but more just about the future job market, it's just... Given the speed with which it feels like everything is moving yep. now in terms of th- this whole game of anticipating the the economy of five years from now, the the and the job market of five years from now, it stresses me out to even think about it. But you've got, you know, people are doing it and they're doing it, you know. But I mean, even just in the last year, I wasn't talking about AI last year, right? Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. you probably had heard it, but I talk about it. 50 times as much as I did one year ago. Yeah. That just goes to show you how fast probably all of these all of these things are moving and how fast all of these conversations need to be had and 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 thinking ahead needs to be had about these things. It's you know it's going to be tough. Um my my favorite quote in this space is is from Yogi Yogi Berra, predictions are tough, mm-hmm. especially about the future. Mm-hmm. Um and and this this is one where you know who could have predicted uh the fallout from COVID and and yeah, how and there's that too. and how yeah. that still impacts the way we work and the way we interact, right? Even now when when things are generally back um you know let alone the the pace of technology the investments that businesses that want to remain competitive are making the uh the millions of dollars that get spent on automated technology to increase throughput coming through lincoln just it boggles my mind yeah um but at the same time it's exciting to see that happen because that's going to keep lincoln relevant i have no idea what AI is going to mean for, for Lincoln's economy. Yeah. And, I, and I haven't heard from Maybe anybody either. that really thinks they have their arms around it either. Yeah. But it's, it's going to leave a fingerprint. Um, and, and so, you know, all we can do is, is get up every day and, and hustle. And, and again, I, I walk, I walk around every day and I know I'm paid to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, but I, I really do think there's so much authentically good in Lincoln's future to be excited about. Uh, whereas even in other economies, and I've lived in some of them that, that have maybe a little bit more national reputation and panache, um, I don't think live up to, to all of the, the press sometimes. Yeah. And whereas, uh, I, I think we follow through on the swing here in Lincoln when a, when a business is talking to us about what it's like to grow her here, they get supported. They understand that they're going to have the resources to grow in a community wrapped around them that wants them here. And then circling back to elected officials, you talked about a couple of inter- moments where you were kind of either going out to them or having them come to you to, to talk with them. But you also were showing the chamber was showing some elected officials uh, that are at a different level, kind of what what Lincoln is doing. Um, I know earlier this month that there were elected officials um, probably at the state and local level mainly that did a tour of, of Lincoln Industries. I'm just curious about that, what the purpose of that was and what the reaction to it was. Yeah, um, and this is an idea that I uh, helped create and then stole from Sioux Falls, South Dakota when I was up there. And, you know, we just uh, up there started a series of tours for elected officials and we and we made it open to our state delegation, our, our county and city officials, and just said, look, do, do you want to come tour these businesses? And what I learned up there 
um, that I did not understand is people will run for and get elected to office and, and sometimes they will not have had an opportunity to get in and see some of these businesses. Sure. And, and, you know, the reason I miss that is I work in a business where I get offered tours quite frequently. I yeah. never say no to them. Yeah. And so I just walk around assuming everybody else in positions of influence sure. has, has seen these things too. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, we've, we've embraced the fact that we want our elected officials to, we feel like it's our job to provide them an opportunity to just see what these work environments are like, um, see how uh, any sort of ordinances or legislation or activities that they might be influencing might have an impact on the people and jobs they see working in those environments. Sure. And so we've we've done uh, I've been, we've been out to Kawasaki. We went to Lincoln Industries earlier this year. Thank you to both of those businesses. We'll be visiting others. It's going to be a constant drip of just uh, again providing those platforms for people to connect with their their yeah. decision makers. To actually see it, office. see the building, to see the people working. It, I'm sure it. Provides a different reference point when you're thinking about these things. I, I've, uh, on one of these trips, I've never failed to have someone go, wow, I didn't I had, know they I had did no that. Idea. I and had it, no idea. It warms, it warms my heart because they walk out just a little bit more excited yeah. about what's going on in the community. All right. Hey, a good discussion, Jason. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. Hey, 26 to take a break. Got sports coming up next on KLIN. Your home for intelligent conversation and informed analysis. They stick to the facts. 1499.3 KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Virologist Malcolm Byron. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 837 LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Glad to have you back with us. Uh, John Baylor is uh, traveling today, so he will join us a week from today and give us a little bit of an update on what he's hearing about preps for the volleyball season. Well, and they have their volleyball media days today. So they have the, the football had uh, had kind of heard from them yesterday, so you'll hear a lot of that same stuff from the volleyball team today. Not necessarily the same content, but the same type of questions and and uh, thoughts one month out-ish on the season from the volleyball team. Coach John uh, Cook okay. slated to talk at uh, one forty this afternoon on BTN Plus. Okay, all right. So they're yeah they out. Did they go to Chicago or Indianapolis? Chicago. They did Chicago for uh, for that one. By the way, Nebraska volleyball picked second. Second. Uh, they, this they, all of the voters in everything just can't quit Wisconsin. They can't quit Wisconsin. Yeah. Now I get it. At least in volleyball, in volleyball, Wisconsin did win the league last year. 
They've won the last few. Yes, they and they won the right. So they've had Nebraska's number in volleyball. So I get it in, in that one. Um, and in football, I'm not saying Nebraska should be higher, but this love affair with Wisconsin, even when they change coaches <laughs> and change systems, they get picked to win the West. There is mm-hmm. there is a Wisconsin effect, and I don't know where it comes from exactly. The Big Ten loves Wisconsin. The, the, the big the Big Ten and the Big Ten media and. Uh, like back in 2018, I want to say Wisconsin was preseason nationally number four, and they went on and had about a five, like just over a 500 season that year. It's it, there is something about sort of the aura of Wisconsin and the running the ball and the you know whatever it is that just gets stuck in in strong defense, g- good offensive line, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. But people think it's going to be there every year. And what will be really interesting to see in, in a football sense, Caleb, is is given there's just the Big Ten West. We talked yesterday about, about how Nebraska's roster itself is just so many guys where you just don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Where it's, you know, there's there's a real range in terms of what it could be. That's kind of true, especially this year, of a lot of the Big Ten West, too. Where it's something something new and unproven, but it's got potential, and you can start that conversation with with Wisconsin, where they're bringing in a you know new head coach, new offensive coordinator, and, and by the way, I know it's it's been talked about as an air raid offense, but you know he was at Longo was at North Carolina, the offensive coordinator. They did really well running the ball. Yeah. So Wisconsin's still going to run the ball, but it is still, I mean, it's still a new system with new terminology mm-hmm. and and a, away from kind of one that Wisconsin has just had for a long, long time. And so there, you assume there are some level of of growing pains going along. That'll be impressive if they mm-hmm. don't have they don't have many. So that's an unknown. And then you've got you've got new coaches. Right as well at at Nebraska at Purdue now at Northwestern yeah as well going along with this whole thing and I mean I think we kind of have an idea what to expect from Northwestern but you know nobody's talking about Purdue um, mm-hmm. and they pulled in a a transfer you know they're coming off of Aiden O'Connell uh, and he's he's been very solid for them was the best quarterback in the West I think last year. Uh, they bring in a, a transfer in Hudson Card from Texas, who has played a bunch for Texas last year mm-hmm. because of injuries, and they could put up gaudy numbers again with him. And so I don't. And I still really like Illinois in the division. Y- uh, yes, uh, same same here. And they lost their defensive coordinator to be Purdue's head coach. They lost a lot of NFL talent, but they still have one of the best players in the league along their defensive line. Uh, they've got you know one of the top wide receivers in the league as well. So. You're right. It's it, it, things. Something is going to happen, and this happens with every college football season. But something is going to happen within that division that no one is talking about right now. And I don't know what it'll be. I would hope it would Nebraska be mm-hmm. being better than expected. I don't know if it will be, but it happens every college football season. You get two weeks into the season, and the things that you talked about for the previous six weeks <laughs> seem so stupid. Yes, you're like, what were we? What were we thinking from June fifteenth to uh, to September first? Well, re- re- remember, was it was it Graham Mertz when we're like, 
That guy yes. is setting the world on fire. Heisman, and then uh, two know. weeks later, we're like, "Oh God, he's really not good. <laughs> like, like he's not good." That at was all. the beginning of his career. It just ended last year, <laughs> yeah, and he was, the, but you know, the typical here, mediocre Big Ten West quarterback. Here's my thing with Wisconsin because we we see the the love affair because of the 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 media's preseason selections for who's going to win the West type of thing. If there weren't. It's not so much to me that Wisconsin's picked to win the West. It's by how much of a margin everyone is picking Wisconsin to win the West. Right. Had it been really divided up and you had... Wasn't it close? I thought it was close. I'll see if what I can find. Well, it, yeah. it, it, and then what? Like Just Iowa just right behind them? Yeah, I think that Iowa was close. I, I think if it, if it would have been split more where you had a good chunk for Wisconsin, but then... Iowa, Illinois, Purdue, whatever, they were all really close. Like it was a four or five way really close at the top, and then Wisconsin yeah. just edged them out. So uh, Wisconsin had 233 points yeah. uh, with 21st place votes. Wisconsin had 230, uh, 232. So it was literally one point. One point. Oh, uh, yeah, it was one but, point. But and that's 16 only, first place votes. That's only really split between like those two. I yeah, th- and then I th- 176 for Minnesota in third, and they only got one first yeah, place. Yeah, I thought it should have been split more between four or five in the division. Yeah. It, it's not just so heavy Wisconsin or just heavy Wisconsin and Iowa. Right. Like, it, it, there there are teams in the division that, that should feel disrespected because it's so open, not because they're really, really good teams yes. who have a realistic chance to win the conference or go to the college football yeah. playoff. And then, you, you know, we continue to talk about that. I mean, Iowa's got a transfer quarterback in They're Unless their offense gets significantly better from where they were last year, they're, they're not going to, well, I don't think they're going to win the division. Not, not just a transfer quarterback, but they have a transfer quarterback coming in where their offensive coordinator has a mandate for points per game. That's so, also true. So that is a side storyline that you now, after every single game, well, what what where's Brian Ferentz at on his on his points per game? Okay, they got to twenty eight this game. Okay, he's got a three point cushion. The next one, they only score six points. All right, well he's got to do some making up against these other teams. Right, like that's a that's a storyline that now is going to impact your offense. That was completely unnecessary to be made public. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. And uh, and of all the teams in in that Big Ten West. Um, and maybe you could extend it to the Big Ten in general, but I'm kind of focusing on the Big Ten West here. The one that is the biggest known quantity for this year is the one Nebraska faces first. Yes, you're, you're obviously PJ Fle- PJ Flex got to be the longest tenured coach outside of Ference now. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, obviously in the league. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, in the whole league. Is that right? That could, that could be. Is he there? He predates Ryan Day, probably. Yeah, he does. Predates Harbaugh. Um, I'm thinking. Did he predate Tom Allen? Maybe he might. That's crazy. Uh, but, he, Penn State has James Franklin. Franklin's probably been there yep. longer. He was. Yep. He was after James Bill Franklin's O'Brien. number two. Okay. Nonetheless, my my point is th- there in terms of personnel, in terms of coaching, they've got the most continuity from last year to this. You know, you bring in a, a quarterback who wasn't the full time starter, but ended up being. The starting quarterback because of injury, um, you know, you bring back you bring back guys at tight end position, the wide wide receiver position, some of the defensive positions that were contributors last year, and in, in the whole flex system for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Along with that, and that's the first game. That's the biggest known quantity, I think, of any team that you're dealing with right now in the Big Ten. And 
you know. So it I that goes to this- show why this is a big. I mean, this is a real measuring stick game right off the bat for Nebraska. And it's your it's your first game for a lot of players. First game for this new staff. Yeah. This would have been a big game, even if. Let's say things went well. Let's say they did get to six wins last year and Frost was coming back. This would still be a massive game. Like it being sure. the, the first game for a staff to, to, doesn't really make it bigger than it would and have been. And it being a division game. I mean. But I will say, because it is that first game, you'd, you'd like to get some of the, 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 the kinks out. But it is that first game, so you can come in. You haven't shown your hand at all. Correct. The, yeah. there, there are things that you can do that you can game plan specifically for this team that you didn't show against one of your other non-conference opponents. Mm-hmm. You didn't show against one of those buy games. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is, there is some good to go with the bad of it's not a walk in the park out the gate for the new staff, and everyone wants to think of Akron and the Lightning and th- how things can change. But I think it's good to, that you have this. It works a little bit like a bowl game. You have that one game that you can focus on right away, right out the gate, on a Thursday where all eyes are going to be on you. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Thir- uh, what, 29 days away now? Did you update 30. that? T- 30. I didn't. I know I'm looking at it. I just didn't know if you updated it. Um, and, and then let's get real quick, Caleb. Let's at least touch on some of the news yesterday, and I think the most, uh, I guess, impactful roster news has to do with the suspension of Miles Farmer, yep. who's one of the most experienced guys on the whole team, mm-hmm. to be honest. He's prob he could be up there and having the most minutes along with maybe like a Luke Reimer and Newsom up there for having the most minutes of anybody on this whole team. And yeah. And well and you, you can even throw in like because uh, Henrich started all twelve games two years yeah. ago and he's he's been just kind of Henrich, beat up here. Maybe Corcoran or Ben Hart, but yeah. But it's only a handful of guys yeah. that we're talking about. We're not talking it's, about well, there there's easily a dozen guys that have played as this much is a, as, he, as you said in your your sportscast or the morning drive earlier it's a young 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 team and the numbers are ridiculous the majority vast majority of the team i think it's over a hundred of them between the hundred and whatever that are there are freshmen and sophomores now some of that comes into play with covid year and and red shirts so so you can start to get some guys realistically you could have a guy going into the into this year who's a red shirt sophomore but this is gonna be his fourth year of college right To but, give you an example, Luke McCaffrey is still playing college football. Yeah, at Rice. <laughs> yeah. So, so you go through, and and it's it, it's just one of those things that you got to get guys a bunch of reps. And I really like what what Matt Rule is doing. One, you can always win the day with Husker fans if you bring up Coach Osborne right away. And he he, he brought up Coach Osborne when talking about how he he set up some of his practices, and that's just to make sure guys are getting a lot of reps. That's because that'll fade out as the season goes. Right. When you start to really focus on who, who you need for the game weeks. But right now at the start of camp, they split things up. It was about 40 to 50 on one side, 40 to 50 the other, or however much they, however they were splitting everyone up. But it was, all right, here's the, the top half for the offensive lineman. Here's the bottom half for offensive lineman. So that that bottom half, rather than getting five reps over the course of an hour and a half, they got 40. They they got they got forty fifty reps and that's something that I don't think you can really quantify when you're trying to one evaluate where an entire team is but two see who does show up and then the development goes off the charts because some guys just show up and you were maybe thinking they were going to be all right maybe fourth or fifth on the depth chart 
Here's a guy that we we just really need him there. Emergency, maybe potentially somewhere on special teams. There's just not room for him. And they show up on camp, and they're fitter than those other guys. They put in the work over the summer, and they know the playbook better. And it's like, well, he's actually second or third on the depth chart. We're going to need significant playing time out of him. You don't know that if that guy wasn't going to get reps in the first place. But because you can see some of that and they move those guys around, I think that, to me, is the biggest thing is knowing how they're setting up these practices right away is going to be the most beneficial for them over the next two weeks. Speaking of that, did you make anything uh, about, the job of Purdy? about Purdy being the being with the secondary group and Harburg being with the first group, I guess, at least today? So uh, what, what, For so that number that, two battle? That jumped out to me, and as a matter of fact, Matt McMaster, who was doing stuff for his TV internship, was standing next to me yesterday. We both looked at each other, and I, I just held up a three, and he was just like, yeah. So for me on that, and there were some people that were interpreting it differently because of the split. They were interpreting it as Chubba Purdy went with the younger guys so that he could get more reps. But to me, that's not what Matt Rule said. He didn't say, well, Chubba was going and was being a really good leader for these young guys. It was Chubba is now a veteran running with the third team. That, to me, said something, and immediately it's, well, you know Jeff Sims is your one. It's got to be Heinrich Harburg that they're feeling pretty good about right now getting some second-team run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. But, again, if it's anything like any of the last many seasons... you got to have a quality number two. That number two quarterback at some point is going to get his shot. Mm -hmm. It's just... It's just it happens way more often than not, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because of because of injuries at this point. But anyway, getting back real quick to to Farmer, you know the the defensive backfield is I think the most experienced and probably the most proven position group on the entire team. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know it doesn't take a lot to be the most experienced, just because you've got so many new faces coming in. Yeah. So I suppose if there's a unit where you can afford something like that, maybe this is it. And you know, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly who this is going to give more time for. I mean, um, Phelan Sanford got some got some minutes last year. I know at that safety position, and I don't quite know how. That's another thing about this whole thing is I don't quite know what that three three five is going to look like in terms of. Yeah, is it necessarily a traditional safety? I think they're going to use. Gifford at more of a like a rover as that mm-hmm. third defensive back or nickel back type of thing. Um, he's kind of been more of a linebacker at times as well. A and little so, bit of the place that we saw JoJo Doman kind of excel. Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 again, it's hard to it, it, it it's hard to tell what the role, especially in a position like that, was going to be. Yeah. What the impact? But you know, you know, Farmer. Farmer had a lot of experience. I think he was a, a solid player. He had some some uh, good moments, but he's been playing for a long time. So that's uh, that's going to hurt. And I don't know. Maybe he's got a chance of coming back. But I always kind of I hear that, and I always kind of wonder. Yeah, I, I lead. I lean towards the not really going to be back. So what else is there? Yeah. If he comes back, fantastic. Figure it out and go from there. But when you hear something like that, the my first inclination is, all right, well, just go forward at least. Because there's a part of it journalistically where it's, okay, he's gone, but he could come back. Here are the scenarios. But as a fan, I just go, I'm going to plan that he's not back. Yeah. Like As a fan, with, with, with how I anticipate the season. Now, someone who might be able to help us out is defensive coordinator Tony White. We hear from him today. Okay, I was just going to ask that exact question. We, we, we hear from the D.C. today, and maybe he'll give us a little bit more insight to the defense as a whole, 
how he's feeling about the personnel that they have for the three three five, and how he feels about that secondary with where their depth is. And uh, Coach Knighton is going to talk today, and I'm interested in hearing especially kind of that defensive line is probably the poster child for young people, you know, young players with very little experience. Ty Robinson talked about how in. getting yeah. thrown into the fire with There's... big big old dudes who are 22, 23 years old, <laughs> and he's like, I am a freshman. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's um yeah, there's there's a lot of new faces and names and there's going to have to be in the playing rotation mm-hmm. just because of just because of where the numbers are at that position as well. So and and hopefully they'll be able to uh find some guys, find some guys whether they're freshmen, whether they're transfers, whether they're guys who switch positions that are going to be able to make an impact across that defensive line. Big thing Matt Rule did say on the freshmen yesterday, they are fast. They, they got some speed. That's good. You got to figure out the playbook. Got to got to maybe put some muscle on a few guys. But those young guys are fast. Good, good. Uh, all right. Eight, well, the wide receivers could have their own four by one hundred relay. <laughs> yeah. It'd be pretty good, I think. Save fifty five. We'll take a break. Wrap it up for this on KLIN. Biologist Malcolm Byron. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, that is it for the show. LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Um, We're in the final weeks, few weeks of Request Line Friday coming up this week. We got a few of them left, but we did decide on a theme this week inspired by the uh, Bud Crawford boxing match. You don't have to be a boxing match to have fun with this, but Bud Crawford... Had uh, came out to the wing and uh, ring, and he picked uh, Eminem, the rapper, to come out with him, and they played an Eminem song. So we're asking you if you were walking to the ring for your big moment, boxing or otherwise, and you got to have an artist accompanying you singing their song on the way or performing their song on the way, who would that be? Who would that be? You get to have so you you want to think of not only a song that gets you in the right state of mind. But also that artist, who the sings artist. I mean, Eminem's dressed all dark. He looks very serious, crabby. That quarter it worked good for a boxing match. Mm-hmm. What kind of aura of an artist do you want walking yeah. in with you too to make you look extra cool and extra psyched up for whatever whatever it is your big event that is coming up your your welterweight championship of the world. We've had some good suggestions. Okay, we we've had. Even like Brad and Fox Hollow just painting us a whole picture. No, oh, really? He's telling you the whole plan mm-hmm. when he walks in. You're free to do that. You are free to do that. <laughs> uh, but whatever song it is that you'd like to see, I would love for you to text it in to us and make a request. That's right. We take requests for songs like radio used to do. Uh, just by text is how you do it, though. 402-479-1400. So text in the song slash artist that you would have walking you out to the ring. If you want to explain it, you can. If you don't, that's fine, too. And we're going to start playing those on Friday. But first, got to get to tomorrow's show. We are already to hump day tomorrow and what chaps your hide Wednesday. Be looking for the Facebook post and be thinking about what's chapping your hide. It always chaps my hide when I forget what's chapping my hide. So take notes if you have to. Set a reminder on your phone. Also talk to John Bishop as well. We'll see you tomorrow. It's 9 o'clock on KLIN Lincoln.